This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where we have the Seahawks Week 14 News Roundup and chat. Yes, there will be a bit of chat. It's not just me. It never is. We have Ty. Ty, what's up? Uh, it would be interesting to see if it was just you, oh. you chatting with yourself. We no, should do I that. never do that. I, I should I should leave you out to dry one night. I should just one Wednesday. I should be like, oh man, you know, can't make it, man. Uh, stomach's not feeling so hot. Uh, you're gonna have to go on your own, man. I'd be and... disappointed because a stomach a stomach should not prevent you from podcasting. You should just have to mute yes. a lot and not be on camera. You know. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You got me there. Damn. Yeah, I did oh, well. get you. <laughs> you did ask me, however, what's up and. Um, the long answer is not much. What's up with you, man? I was very concerned you were going to see the sky or something like the ceiling, and we no that that would show. be that would be a that would be a, that would be a Griffin Sturgeon response. It, I'm, it would. I, I'm I'm you know I'm more articulate highbrow. with yeah high, highbrow. I'm more articulate with how I express my feelings and my emotions. I would never lower myself to that sort of level. I'm I'm funny. I'm attractive. Uh, I'm jacked, uh, just like you are, and and you're also very tall, just like I am. Um, yeah. So you know, we're just a couple of uh, attractive jacked uh, men looking to talk about some Seahawks football. Yes. And onto the Seahawks football after that tantalizing segue. Mm. The injury report <laughs> came in from Wednesday's practice or the practice report. DJ Dallas did not practice with an ankle injury. He supposedly got a high ankle sprain against the Rams and played through it. Pete Carroll said in his mm. press conference that Dallas was determined to to be right for Sunday. But a high ankle sprain, I mean, that seems fanciful, but we will see. Wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, who obviously left that Rams game and then re-entered it, uh, did not practice with a hand injury. Running back Kenneth Walker III did not practice with an ankle injury, which was jammed, and it sounds like a weird kind of sprain where it's not the kind of lateral type, but it's more vertical. It's a very unusual injury, Carol described it. Tight end Will Disley did not practice with a calf injury, and safety Ryan Neal did not practice with a knee injury. 
Meanwhile, Travis Homer is limited with a knee injury, another running back. That's the third one if you're counting. His knee injury is a sprain, it was described as, but limited participation. And then right tackle Abraham Lucas was also limited in practice with an elbow. Now, obviously, running back is the big subject. Now, they signed uh, running back Wayne Gorman. They also have Darwin Thompson, who played in the preseason. He's more of a passing down back. Gorman, who most recently was with the Atlanta Falcons, had his best spell with the New York Giants and his best game against the Seahawks when he went off in that 2020 clash. He's kind of like a scheme versatile guy. Carroll described him as a, a slasher. But he can also do pass protection stuff. He's a, a, a dude who can probably contribute at all sorts of downs. Whereas I'd say Thompson's very much kind of a, a homer insurance plan. Seattle, of course, also has Tony Jones. And mm-hmm. uh, and he did practice, of course. So Ty, They have another running back on their practice squad as well. Godwin Igwe BK. He was on yes. the Lions, and he actually had a pretty good game against the Steelers last year, two years ago. But yeah, so. There you go. Um, but yeah, they're really uh, they're really beat up right now, um, and so you know that that adds some concern to how viable the run game will be on Sunday against the Panthers, and if they're going to have to go pass heavy with it. Um, Darwin Thompson, someone that I liked coming out. Uh, just a really athletic dude, but he hasn't really been able to stick anywhere. And um, like even in Kansas City, I thought maybe they would uh, find some reps for him, and he just never, never really worked out for him there. Um, Tony Jones was fine on Sunday, <laughs> except for after you know he got his lights knocked out and his contact lenses. Uh, and then literally could not see for the rest of the game. Yeah, that's um, wild. That's wild. Also, if you're a football player, why wouldn't you have like backup contact lenses on you? The game, like red flag. Kind of, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, so Homer is the big one though. If he can get back, because like I said this on Sunday, every time that he's missed a game, it feels like that's shown up in a pretty big way. Whether it be the pass pro stuff or special teams. So if he can get back that's pretty huge he's also not been terrible like with the ball in his hands this year like he's been pretty good like whenever he has actually gotten some carries gotten some action in the past game so um that would help that would be pretty nice the thing with walker really is like you got the thursday game coming up right after this so is it worth forcing him back into this game when you probably would rather have him on thursday uh the other thing too though is like with the quick turnaround are you even going to be able to get him back by thursday right it sounded like something it's sort of being managed and he's rehabbing it but Mm -hmm. because they're so unfamiliar with it you know it could be like a two to four week thing but it could be that he's able to play on sunday but then like you said with a quick turnaround on thursday that game on paper, at least, being a more difficult encounter mm-hmm. and a, a more important one, given it's against the 49ers, it will probably decide the NFC West if the Seahawks stop uh, dropping weird games. Then, uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. But also, you kind of need Walker because there's no game changes. But then do you need Walker if Geno Smith's playing like he is and they're kind of a pass-first offense? They... 
And I think it was interesting, Pete was asked if uh, the running back differences would affect their game plan. Mm. And he didn't really, he, he basically said no. So I think, again, yeah. that's a, a vote of confidence in Gino. Jones, yeah, he, he just seems like a, that you're kind of standard, just a guy kind of dude yeah. who can thump yeah. it between the tackles. And yeah, Homer, the special team stuff is telling to me that Carroll spoke up about Gorman's ability on special teams and his past experience there as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be a, something to monitor. We, we don't really know how it's going to turn out. That could be a slight advantage against Carolina. You know, they don't know who to prepare for. And mm-hmm. they've got enough bodies now for whatever ends up happening, whoever ends up being able to play and whoever doesn't. But yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting. Yeah, talent-wise, I like if it really comes down to it, I think you got to go with Gallman. But he's so fresh, so I don't know like how that would work. But it's a, it's a really difficult spot. At least you're going up against the Panthers this week. So... And hopefully yes. you can get a little bit healthier before you go up against the Niners. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got more injury news, though. What else is we, going on? We do. So obviously Ryan Neal didn't practice, as I yeah. said. Yeah. But that means also that the Seahawks safety position is, is a question mark. Now, Neil did take part in the walkthrough the, the, the uh, day previously. He, in all likelihood, will play. Uh, he has an, a knee injury, a, a bursa, where, which I think hurts a lot. Someone said in the chat when we talked about it after the mm-hmm. game on Sunday. And he, before that, was dealing with a badly bruised elbow. So he'll, he'll probably play. But Josh Jones, who was playing in a lot of the dime, well, he was playing in the dime package, which was making up between 15 to like 30, even 35% of the snaps on defense. He mm-hmm. landed on injured reserve with a hamstring injury. For them to do that with a hamstring injury, okay, yeah, they, they kind of needed to draw some roster space for, to, you know, for the running back situation and, and uh, you know, how it's all shaking out. But for them to do that, that tells me he sort of ran out of chances. I think that Raiders play where he he was playing in the deep half and his pursuit angle on the Josh Jacobs 86-yard ending touchdown run, his just yeah. pursuit angle was not good enough. Like, if you want to stick as a safety, you kind of have to make that play you have to make the stop yeah. like for it to be so bad it's like what are we doing with this guy out there we can't really trust right. him as dev maybe that's too harsh but he was also dealing with the illness thing which went through the seahawks camp but then yeah this hamstring which saw him leave the game early on sunday that has landed him on ir sure he could return but obviously seattle picked up jonathan abram who carol described as he'll be ready on sunday so it would make sense that Neil comes in, plays, and then Abram slots in on the, uh, you know, on the dime package. They also mm-hmm. do have Tease Table, of course, who actually yep. played a bit against the Rams, and we'll talk about it in the tape podcast tomorrow. But he looked fine. He got everything right in terms of coverage and picking up the right routes, and looked kind of fast. And then they have Joey Blunt, who is more of a free safety type for dime. You'd want more of a kind of strong safety, versatile guy who can come down and hit it in the box a bit. Again, Blunt is more of that kind of Conde uh, Diggs state, keep him high uh, more often, kind of mirror. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But I would guess it will be Neil and then Abram is the dying guy. But it's going to be interesting. 
Yeah, it'd be cool to see Joey at some point, but it's just that's really hard to figure out. I just I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Um, so we're probably going to see Abram. I would I would I would think that we're going to see Abram at least a little bit in this game, and so kind of just see where he's at. Like I mentioned, you know, last couple shows, like at least he's a guy that has some starting experience that has you know that 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 should be able to kind of slot in hopefully here and, and give them something because like you said i think this was kind of the last shot for josh jones in general anyway i think this was coming even if jones did not get injured on sunday that they were going to start giving nabram a little bit of a run here uh and just the the injuries have probably expedited that a little bit so you know we'll see what they got in nabram um you know this is kind of a a trial run for him as well like to to basically get back on the horse here just in terms of his nfl career and so maybe he can find a spot here in seattle if he plays well uh, or a spot somewhere else you know once free agency begins so this is uh this is going to be a big uh, next couple of weeks for him and if he can help that would be huge right because they need it they need it right now especially you know even if neil is able to play he's still dealing with some stuff so uh, having that insurance would be nice with uh, with Jones on the mend. No doubt. And to round up that big Seahawks safety discussion, mm. Jamal Adams posted a workout video of him working with a medicine ball, moving both legs around it, raising both legs. So his oh, knee yeah. is coming back into shape. The torn quadriceps was the issue, not the knee, sorry. But mm. um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think he'll be back this postseason if no. Seattle makes it, but I think he may have been aiming for that. I think it came out that Pete thought that was optimistic. Mm. Oh, and we should also say that Ian Furness, Q13 report on Rashad Penny aiming to be back for the postseason. Carroll was uh, keen to downplay that on Monday when he was asked about it. He said, you know, let's see him. He needs to run. Like, right. He hasn't even run yet. Like He probably yeah. doesn't think that's going to happen. So. Yeah, that kind of does sound a little uh, too optimistic, but we'll see. Uh, it'd be nice to have them. Um, obviously, it would be amazing if they could get Jamal back, but I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. The other thing of note in injury world is Donta Foreman. Uh, he said he injured his left foot against the Broncos mm, when it got caught yeah. in the artificial turf at Bofa Stadium. Mm. He's 95% certain. You know a lot about that. Walks. You know a lot about uh, the stadium. Well, I know it's the, uh, the Bank of America. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all but I'm saying. Play. Okay. So, if Foreman couldn't play, that would be big because he's kind of been their entire offense in terms of the run game and that basically being their offense. But he probably will, so... Something to monitor yeah. at this stage of the week. Yeah, uh, their run game has had some sparks of efficiency, but it's been a little inconsistent. Uh, he's he's been pretty decent though. Uh, they've been able to find some success with him. Uh, Cheaper Hubbard, not as much, but so that that could be a little bit of a difference maker if uh, Foreman's not able to go. But it does seem like you said that he's he's going to be able to suit up. Clint Hurt today called this the best offensive line Seattle's faced so far. Like he was very complimentary about how they run block. So, mm. and there are some similarities with the issues they've had in past weeks with a bit of a, you know, uh, under center kind of presentation and heavier personnel. So, mm. again, 
hopefully Seattle can write some demons from previous games of 2022. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. We need to uh, <laughs> need to be able to stop the run. That would be uh, preferable. Yeah. Would love to see that. Would love to see that. Um, yeah, they you know like the the addition of Equano, uh, they got some guys there on that line, so that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, who it was kind of rumored that uh, Seattle preferred Equano to Charles Cross. Obviously, they didn't get that right. choice because they're picking a nine, but there mm-hmm. were rumors of that. His physicality certainly screams Seahawks, and his ability yeah, to very more. Much so. Anyway, yeah. so Ty. It is mm. now December, bizarrely. Again, the year's flying by as it always does, but I think maybe because this mm-hmm. is the first year after we came out of a weird, weird period. and we're Father Christmas is coming. Life. Yes. Father C, thank you for your, you Father know, C. your British friendly language. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. He is he's going C. to visit soon. But also this period, I think, sees the national media cycle transition to postseason awards mm. obviously the pro bowl voting pro bowl voting has started we'll get mm-hmm. to that but first i want to talk about gino smith who obviously he completed his first fourth quarter comeback since 2014 amazing amazing mm. stuff on sunday mm. even though he'd already put seattle in position to do that uh, in other weeks but he'd also had some shaky moments in other weeks in in the kind of clutch so it was nice for him to finally get that done and have it in 2022 being his last fourth quarter comeback win. But also, Geno Smith should be getting legit MVP discussion. So, Geno Smith this season has 10 games with multiple passing touchdowns. That ranks first in the NFL. He has nine games with a 100 or greater passer rating, which ranks first in the NFL. He has eight games with a 70% plus completion percentage, which is first in the NFL. He has now tied the NFL record for the longest streak of games with a 60% completion percentage and an 80-plus quarterback rating. He's done this in 12 straight games, and the only other quarterbacks to do this in the Super Bowl era are Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers. He leads the NFL in completion percentage at 72.7%, second in passer rating, third in yards per attempt, fourth in adjusted net yards per pass attempt, fifth in total passing yards, fourth in passing touchdowns and it is clearly to me a pro bowl or all pro even as we're talking about or even mvp decision ty Mm -hmm. the only quarterbacks in nfl history have had a higher completion percentage than geno smith's current mark of 72.7 percent is drew Brees, and he did that in three previous seasons but he was always like the mark of efficiency and like Mm he he surely you know, both both Rogers and Peyton Manning, when they got that that streak of twelve straight games with an eighty pass rating and a sixty percent completion percentage, that was Rogers in twenty eleven, Manning in two thousand and nine, both won MVP in those years. So obviously those guys had a kind of very different reputation going into their seasons. But Gino has completely turned around his reputation. Why mm. isn't he getting bigger MVP discussion, or is that going to take over December if he, you know? There's no reason why he won't continue this. Is that going to be the talk of December? Do you know he's the MVP? I think it should be the talk right now. Um, I think the reason why it maybe isn't as much is just because the team is seven and five right now. 
right? I think that's kind of a big part of it. They're just fighting for a wild card spot at the moment. They're not, you know, they're not nine and two. They're not the Eagles right now. They're not the Vikings. They're not the Bills. They're not the Chiefs at the moment. Um, but I mean, you look at these numbers, like like the numbers that you just listed. This is a guy that is doing things that no quarterback or very few quarterbacks have done before in a full season. And when you consider that he hasn't started in seven years before this season, like it's ridiculous. It's unprecedented. It's absolutely unheard of the stuff that he is doing right now. And the fact that he's doing it consistently week in, week out, there really hasn't been a bad game for him aside from week two. Like that was really the only stinker for the offense overall. The rest has been pretty good. There's been, you know, times in games where, yeah, they could have, you know, they missed out on an opportunity here and there, or they didn't finish game off, whatever. And, you know, and Gino is a big part of that. But at the end of the day, he's consistently putting up the numbers, you know, the fantasy football numbers that like voters care about and all that stuff. And he's showing up really well in the analytics and the advanced metrics. He's like number one, number two, number five, like in pretty much every category right now. Uh, he's just having a ridiculous year. And yeah, there's, you know, court, like he's, I think really the answer to, right, to your question is he's not Josh Allen. His name isn't Patrick Mahomes. That's part of the reason why he's also involved. He's not getting the love that he is right now. And it sucks because, like, he should be mentioned along with those guys' names because he's been just about as good. You know, obviously he's not, you know, the flashy, <laughs> like doing all this flashy stuff and whatnot, but he's like, he's legit making some big boy throws out there. He's now made a comeback, a fourth quarter comeback, had a game winning drive. He's checking every single box that you could possibly want him to. He's definitely a top five quarterback this season. He should be in this conversation. He should be getting votes. And now that the voters are voting in a top five, they're not just picking one guy to win, you know, each writer. Like they're they all have to fill out a top five now. Like he has to be at least getting some votes in those top fives. He has to be in like to me, it's inexcusable if he's not in your top five. Yeah. And you know, and along with the metrics and the the just basic statistics, you just watch yeah. him like He's out there slinging it. There's no one passing better from the pocket than him. I guess, yeah. you know, Allen and Mahomes, yeah, they their teams have better records. I actually think Gino has an argument. Well, it's undoubtable. There's not, it's not even an argument. Gino's been let down by the Seahawks' defense so much. You know, yeah. obviously the offense had its pains, but the defense has been poor it's, it's, to the extent that Gino's had to win some shootouts, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Allen and Mahomes, they have the records. They're, yep. they're both topping their, their respective divisions. And they're both established they're leading, stars. They're, they're both established stars. They're both leading, you know, in the AFC. Mm-hmm. And they have that kind of new wave of NFL quarterbacks, which Gina can sling it. Like, he he's a brilliant passer. He's very accurate. He yeah. can spin the football in wonderful fashion. But he ain't the type of athlete in the, the, the kind of game-breaking play extension way that Mahomes and Allen is that kind of new wave that I was speaking about. And so again, that that's kind of like yeah. we're dinging. But you know, if that, if Seattle if Seattle wins the NFC West, right, then mm-hmm. the record's good enough. Mm-hmm. Given they're competing with the 49ers, the record should be more than good enough uh 
to warrant an MVP, you know, real, real, real strong MVP candidacy. Yeah. I agree, seven and five right now is a bit too weak. And maybe, you know, by the time they've won the NFC West, I think the MVP stuff might already be, the votes may have been submitted. I don't know when that mm. all takes place, but a big game will be Christmas Eve against the Kansas City Chiefs because mm. that's Mahomes versus Geno. And that's already looking like, you know, a, a magical uh, quarterback mm, yeah. duel. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs defense, I'm sure, will throw a lot of different disguise and, and uh, pressure looks at Geno. But wow, that's that could be a real, real kind of, not that he needs it, but on the national stage where where people tune in for Mahomes and then they realize, wow, this is this is like the two top quarterbacks in the league going at it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's going to be a massive game. Um, and if they win that game, if Geno wins that game, like that's that's got to do something for his MVP argument. Like if he outduels Mahomes on Christmas Eve on national TV, you gotta you gotta pay attention there. And look, like you said, right? Like, and this is what I was trying to say earlier is that you know he's not gonna go off script and spin around for 15 seconds and then throw a no look behind the back pass for a touchdown, you know, 60 yards down the field. Like he's not he's not that guy, right? Like, but he he's just a damn good quarterback, man. He plays the position so well. It's so fun to watch him play. And uh like he again, he's just he's so efficient to historical levels like you this guy has to be getting top two votes quite frankly like it it should be him and Mahomes. and yeah. i know like jalen hurts is going to get thrown in there which fine you know he's having a pretty good year eagles are obviously having a pretty good year i'd take gino though and obviously i'm biased but i'd take gino so Pete Carroll, you know, talking about the efficiency again, Pete Carroll mentioned the Seahawks offense completion percentage and he was asked about, you know, whether he had a goal or a target for that. And he said mm. he's always expected us to be a 70% completion team. That's always been the goal yep. because he knows how hard it is to do that and that with it's happened with so few teams. But it's mm. always been his expectation to hit that 70% mark. And he said because that's because that they're always trying to throw the stuff that they can where they can have those expectations. They're not chucking the ball over the yard and just hoping they can hit stuff downfield. Everything is designed to maximize efficiency and complement with the running game. And he mm. said he's been saying that for a long time, which that doesn't sound like the uh, let rush cook era, does it? But focusing on in on Gino, Pete said he's in, as in he's in the 70% mark, is exactly how we thought it would could be. And he's in there right now. You know, whether he can continue that or not, like being in that 70% mark, Pete doesn't know, but he's shown that he can run this offense and he's in command of it. He can maximize the principles and the concepts. And last week was a great example again. So, I mean, that's that's about as high a praise as it gets and leaves you without any doubt that Seattle will take care of Gino financially and whatever oh, yeah. kind of the market dictates he's worth. But uh, very cool and also kind of illum illuminating of where it kind of went wrong for Seattle you look up uh with russell wilson and that approach mm -hmm. and obviously russell struggling this season but if you look at russell's highest completion percentage in his career as well obviously i think when 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 pete says about 70 percent being a uh a goal it's more that's like the highest goal to reach like right it's not you're expected to hit it every year but it's, if you're trying to hit it then everything else is probably going good if you're near to it everything's going mm. good if you're in it like gino is you're doing great but russell's highest completion percentage in his career is 68.8 percent which was set in that uh 2020 let bus cook season so 
interesting again. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, the other thing with Gino as well, and obviously, again, it's it's informative to contrast the struggles and the downfall kind of, of the Wilson uh, quarterback in Seattle. The other thing is Gino's three and out rate is, in, is brilliant. Again, very efficient. Yeah. So Pete described it as him managing the game well. And we do see that every 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 time on tape. But the Seahawks three and out and punt rate to the lowest uh, since 2012, which is obviously when they had a, a very impressive kind of balance on offense with Marshall Lynch and everything. So, yeah. and just, I mean, Gino's been really good on third down in general, right? Like he's extending oh, drives, yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, he's just he's doing it all right now. He's he's just God. He's it's it's so impressive like it's getting to a point now i think you said this on sunday that we're getting to a point now where it's just like gino being gino right like it's not even surprising anymore it's just like he's gotten to that you know stage now where it's just like you expect it like if you're watching if you're paying attention you just expect that he's going to do these things now like he's earned that respect he's earned um you know the the benefit of the doubt more or less at this point and so uh it's it's really cool man he's gonna get paid he's gonna get paid this offseason and that's such a cool story for him so yeah 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 definitely so the rest of the uh postseason kind of honors that are coming out the pro bowl is obviously nowhere near as prestigious as the mvp voting or even the all pro stuff at least there isn't a game anymore (laughs) there's games right it's the pro bowl yeah it's like a yeah it's like a it's like a it's I don't know skills competition. I guess yeah. I don't know. yeah, whatever. So I tell you who would be cool with that. Um, and fan voting is just one third of the voting, but who it would be cool to see in the the Pro Bowl games, the kind of weird uh, trials and whatever stuff they do is mm. Tariq Woolen. Mm. And luckily, he leads all cornerbacks in Pro Bowl votes. Jordan Brooks also still leads all of the inside linebackers. And Geno Smith is second among the NFC quarterbacks behind Philadelphia's Jalen Hurts. I believe uh, Nick Bellore is fifth in special teams votes as well. So. Yeah, they're really pushing the Bellore vote right now on social media, which I fully support. I fully. I mean, support he is movement. a good, he is a good special. I'm not. I'm sure yeah. you know. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure Pro Bowl voting, particularly for special teams, is not guided by lots of fans grinding that. Uh, mm. All twenty-two special teams footage. No. No. Nonetheless, below by happenstance as well, perhaps he is a very good special teams player. So yeah. good for him, and he's also you know funny guy, and that's all yeah. cool. And yeah. uh, I'm still disappointed he didn't get in at running back last Sunday. Pete said they were considering it. I I tweeted about it. We got to make it happen. We need we need uh, a yeah. snap. And Belor Belor even uh, tweeted about it himself drama in seattle yeah 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 he was like uh you know i was ready to run the rock or, or whatever or i was i'm on this team to tote the rock or whatever so drama in seattle oh, running back he controversy needs he needs his touches uh uh um nick so, jimmy graham Belore. so on on woolen um couldn't hurt today said he couldn't catch a cold when he first joined the seahawks <laughs> but a really cool story came out from pete where apparently during seahawks practices they throw a ball to uh, woolen on every single play so hmm. they get third string quarterback sean Mannion to throw them up to the rookie even if it's a running play and that woolen asked to do that to improve his hands and hurt said how he started working out with marquis goodwin because they throw 
the receivers were throwing tennis balls at the wall, which is like a common kind of just mm-hmm. quick reaction, catching drill, just get the hand-eye going. But um, yeah, Woolen's joined them doing that as well. So, I mean, that is so cool, the way he's applying himself. Yeah. I actually saw that in Munich, but I just thought it was like they're not wanting to waste reps, but it was often to Woolen. So I think, I think that's what yeah. was going on as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, awesome. And again, I said when they drafted him, the big thing, which we will not be able to know until the game start, is what's his mental makeup? Like, is he going to apply himself or is he a guy who's got yeah. by on athleticism for so long that he's just not going to put the work in? Well, he is putting the work in and he's reaping the rewards of that approach. So great for him. He's taken a ridiculous step, and yeah, it's 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 all attributed to the work that he's putting in. Because, I mean, he was so raw coming out, like like you, like you could see the potential, right? Dude, who's as tall and as lengthy as he is, that can run as fast as he does, like that's really exciting. But also, he's only played the position for like a couple of years, and you see some of his tape, and it some of the reps are really not good really not good uh and so like dude i remember i think we were doing this show specifically one week and i think you and i both were saying like he might not play this year and lo and behold he's the week one starter and now he is leading the nfc or the nfl in general and pro bowl voting and you know there's people that are saying he should be all pro i don't necessarily agree with that uh but you know defensive rookie of the year all this stuff that he's involved in all these conversations and um you know again that's uh that's a testament to just the workhorse that he is and and the work that he's put in over the last few months because he's just a, he's a different player it's just a straight up just a different player than he was in college i'm yeah I, i'm i was wrong about that i i said he'd he was so raw he'd be a special teamer only in year yeah. one and he'd have to earn his way on special teams. And if he's playing a lot on special teams, then that's a great sign. And he'll maybe come in if there's an injury at corner, but don't expect to see him there because he's so raw. I mean, testament to his learning, his application, Mm -hmm. the coaching of Kyle Scott, who obviously is in his first year as the Seahawks defensive backs coach. I mean, it's just awesome. It's so cool. And, you know, he welled up on Sunday after his press conference talking about the experience he had during the draft where – you know, he hasn't been drafted. He felt embarrassed that he, you know, all these teams he'd spoke to hadn't drafted him. He was waiting in the fifth round, you know, all that stuff, which a lot of players go through. But just good for him. And hopefully, you know, he, he stays on it. And I'm sure he will. It sounds like Seahawks coaching staff every week. They're always like, hey, I'm, I'm keeping on this guy to, to, to not get complacent because he's going to get tested. And wow. It's, and it just, it's, and it makes you excited for like when he really starts to learn, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like when he he's really kind of like actually, out there, yeah. and um, you know, he's obviously learning a bit, but there's certain plays where he's afterwards, he's like, "Damn, I could have made that play. I know I can. Yeah. I just didn't quite yeah. see it in time." That will come. Like he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. He's a rookie in the NFL. He's a rookie in the cornerback technique that Seah- the Seahawks are using with him, and he's only in his what third year of playing corner. So, yeah. and he and they just kind of let him vibe out there uh, at, at San Antonio, which is why you know, Texas, San Antonio, which is why, you know, in the draft process, I was like, well, I don't really know what to say about the technique here because it's just it's just a, a higgledy-piggledy kind of thing. But that focus and streamlining and the the way they've given him a toolkit to, to go and lock down guys in a variety of coverages, mm. awesome. So, 
and he's going up against legit receivers now. Like he's he's gone through some tests now. Like he's he's doing it. He's he's uh you know kind of in a similar fashion to to Gino. He's pretty much checking all the boxes you would want him to in in year one, considering the the lack of experience that he had going into this year. Yeah. Okay, Ty. So Tariq Willem was drafted. Now the Seahawks currently have. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. The I... third overall pick in mm. the 2023 NFL draft. According to ESPN's Football Power Index, that's a cool mm. name. ESPN yeah. branding is the Power Index. The uh, Power the first, Index. The, yes. The first round pick the Seagulls get from Denver via the Russell Wilson trade now has a 99% the, chance the what of being trade? the top 10. The, the Russell Wilson trade, they uh, never heard they, of it. They, well, it was that deal which was much maligned and criticized and uh, a, a bad decision from owner Jody Allen. And apparently, oh, they should have fired Pete Carroll. Do you remember that the, one? The, the greatest trade in NFL history. Yeah, yeah. I remember oh, that one. No, no, yeah. yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 now, yeah. now the worst because, uh, I mean, we'll get into Russell Wilson, but th- this trade now has a 99% chance, according to the ESPN Football Power Index, of being in the top 10 of that mm-hmm. draft, the 2023 draft. An 82.1% chance of being top five and a 2.7 chance of being the number one overall pick. Football Outsiders agrees with that. Seattle's odds via Football Outsiders to get a top five pick in the 2023 NFL draft per Football Outsiders are only 58.6%, which is slightly surprising given that the Broncos play on their schedule. Uh, well, next up, they have the Kansas City Chiefs who are mm. going to beat them. Then they have the Arizona Cardinals, which should be a win. Then they have the at the LA Rams, which again that could be a win. Then now, they have now the Maddie Chiefs, the should be a win, but it's the Broncos. So yes, yes, this yeah. is the thing. And I think football outsiders are just more conservative in general. Now the other thing is the Texans and the Bears are really bad, like really mm. really bad teams. Mm-hmm. So it'd be hard, but I I, I don't see why. Um. You know, well, why, like, why on earth can the Broncos not? Uh, it, sh- it looks like it'll be the third overall pick. Well, and all you really need too is you just need the Bears to to move past them because, like, the Texans are going to take a quarterback, and you're probably not taking a quarterback at this point. So yes, yes, yeah. So mm. yeah, that 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 Broncos at Rams game on on Christmas Day. Oh, mm. on Nickelodeon. It's on Nickelodeon. It's on Nickelodeon. Oh my word, that is amazing! <laughs> so the the winning quarterback is going to get that amazing MVP trophy yeah. on Christmas Day. Yeah. I'm going to be nice and merry after enjoying a, a nice Christmas dinner. Nine thirty mm-hmm. PM, settling for that round the fire, toast the hands, and see mm. who wins. Basically, the draft Super Bowl for Seattle because it's three and yeah. nine versus three and nine. That Rams pick is the Lions who are. Currently fourth overall, they're kind of having a a mid off or not even a mid off, a low off, a third off for the, the mm-hmm. third overall pick. I mean, incredible scenes. So we're, we're big Baker Mayfield stands that day. Baker Mayfield for Nickelodeon MVP. Yes. Oh yes, of course, Mr. Baker yeah, he's, is now. A he's apparently he's apparently playing tomorrow. Yeah, they sent him the playbook, so. <laughs> all right we'll we'll see how that goes uh that's gonna be a true test of sean mcveigh scheming guys open <laughs> we're gonna Indeed. 
we're gonna really see how how far he can take it with that uh so yeah that's uh that's a lot of fun uh jalen carter will anderson jr uh yeah. it's hard not to start thinking about those guys uh in a more realistic light as we go week to week because mm. look i uh <laughs> I, I rewatched the, uh, the the Ravens Broncos game. I told you I was going to do that. Oh Monday. yes, so the Broncos lost ten uh, nine. I I also caught some of that game tie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Russ, like you look at the stat line, Russ's stat line is not terrible. It's not very good, but it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were able to find some success with their under center stuff, uh, like the play action stuff. Mm. and yet they still just can't get into the end zone at all mm. um it's 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 just it's awful like i mean we say this every week like i feel like we just have the same segment every week which we basically do but it's uh they're one of the worst offenses i've ever seen with my own two eyeballs it's terrible like they're garbage on every in every single facet and they like again you say like oh they should beat the cardinals they should in theory but also they are terrible so i just i i don't believe in their ability to score points outside of field goals yeah that ravens game am i correct that lamar jackson hurt his knee in that game at the start yeah Yeah. tyler huntley finished the game he scored the game winning touchdown yeah yeah Yeah, so it it wasn't like a complete ravens team and that ravens team's going through some stuff as well but uh yeah to put into context how the Broncos are sort of finding new ways to lose each week or just to lose each week and not score points on offense, NFL teams were 0 and 206 since 1995 when committing two turnovers, forcing zero and failing to exceed 10 points. That's per pro football reference. However, the Ravens in their 10 9 victory made it 1 and 206 when they beat the Broncos because. They they turned the ball over. I think it was more than two times. Anyway, they met that requirement. So that is mm. just it's just remarkable. They, they it was truly historic. Yeah. Now the, the defense hasn't necessarily quit in the way that we were talking about, but it's definitely not as good as it was through the first half of the year. And so that's also been kind of an issue. I mean, they only gave yeah. up ten points and to the Ravens, but they traded like, Bradley Chubb, right? Like they traded Bradley Chubb. Yeah. So that's yeah. a big part of it. And like literally, one of their defensive players yelled at Russell Wilson on the sideline. Yeah, and so that's, it feels like they're somewhat. They're not playing at the same level. They're yeah, reason. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Russell Wilson this season has uh, fewer touchdown passes than Davis Mills, less passing yards than Jacoby Brissett, a lower completion percentage than Marcus Mariota, a worse quarterback rating than Zach Wilson. Fewer mm-hmm. 300 yard games than Joe Flacco. And of course, and, he is on the first year of his five year, $240 million deal. And I think I saw a stat that Gino has had more touchdowns on Sunday than Russ has in his last like six games or five games or something like that. That, that would like, match. That would match based on, yeah, they haven't, <laughs> they haven't scored touchdowns. Yeah. 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 And touchdowns. Um, uh, yeah. So it gets worse because uh, wide receiver KJ Hamler is out, uh, is is questionable. I think with a, uh... oh no, mm. he got placed on injured reserves. <laughs> that that was development. <laughs> he got placed on injured <laughs> reserves. Was all over the place <laughs> after he had a setback with his uh, hamstring injury. 
Uh, and then um, Cortland Sutton is dealing with a hamstring injury and is considered unlikely to play against Kansas City. So, and I, I think Judy is dealing with an ankle injury at the moment as well. So, I mean, you, I have a score prediction for that game: thirty-one to seven. That Kansas seems so that. I mean, that's a lot. Of, that seems generous. I'm sure the Broncos' defense has a lot of pride, but. I mean, have you seen Kansas City's offense? Like the the numbers um, mm. are nuts, uh, absolutely yeah. nuts. Like I, yeah. uh, Ben F- Ben Fennell, which is a brilliant surname. I always think that he is the uh, he does stuff for the NFL draft stuff for NFL Network, and he's a producer for the Eagle stuff. But and oh, and he does the CBS uh, drawings, I think. But anyway, great okay. account to follow at Ben Fennell underscore NFL. Mm-hmm. He posted something of the Chiefs' offense. They've got the Best pass rating in blitz situations, best points on first offensive possession of the second half, most completions of 20 plus yards, most first downs made, most goal to go drives. Um, just they're just like ridiculous. Maddie, just, I'm scared. I'm scared about Christmas Eve. Yeah, I'm no, yeah, about... but yeah, but for now, for now, <laughs> we watched the Broncos lose to Kansas City and yeah, fall, yeah. To, fall to three and ten. That's what we do, but yeah, yeah I'm yeah. very scared too. That's why I said, like. It's Gino's time to shine. Uh, yeah. It really is. But, G- um, Gino might have to. You, you remember that like fifty-plus point game that the Chiefs played against the Rams a few years oh, ago? Yeah. Monday night. Yeah. yeah the, G- Gino's gonna have to win that. It, like Gino's gonna have to win like fifty-five to fifty-two. Yeah. No, straight up. But yeah, um, that that um, Cortland Sutton missing for the Broncos is big because he's like kind of Russ's yeah. go-to guy. Um. Mm-hmm. I guess they've got Dolchich, who he targets that the tight end. But, yeah, um, he actually targets a tight end. Wild, right? Yeah, that shows how messed uh, up their season is. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do next year. But this year they're kind of doomed, and I think to me, third the third or fourth pick seems the nailed on hope. Yeah, but the, the Rams seem much more complete as a team than the Broncos right now. So yeah. they should probably lose to secure third, and then. In terms of the picks, well, uh, like you said, the the Lions who have that Rams pick, uh, even them, I think, might consider a quarterback, right? Like Goff is trapping yeah. them. They they kind of had a decision to make for cap reasons there. Then, yeah, the, the Texans need a quarterback. The Bears don't, but then it's kind of like a choice of, yeah, like Jalen Carter, do, Will Anderson, like 1A, 1B kind of mm-hmm. deal. I need to or do they trade them. to a quarterback needy team? Right, so yeah, possibly. Like, what you, if that's an option, or or, or a team maybe mm-hmm. he wants to leapfrog Seattle because they know Seattle is going to pick one of them and they have a yeah. preference. Anyway, that will all shake out. We look forward to that. But for now, uh, painful watching Denver, but also good for Seattle. So very nice. Um, I'm not. I can't say I've been watching them every week because it's just bad football. But I can. Yeah, Ty, Ty is a, a sicko. I yeah, I am yeah. a sicko, but not not in a not in a watching Denver lose sicko way. No, no, I'm I'm very petty and sicko-y this uh, this season, and you know what? I'm enjoying it. There we go. So we will be back. Well, Ty, you won't be back tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. I'm going to be okay. out looking at Christmas lights. Yeah. Wow, you've yeah. you've already got started. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see Ty's amazing Christmas lights. They're yeah. very festive. Very festive. 
Don't you, don't you don't you feel like you're in the Christmas spirit now? Don't you feel the... you're in the Christmas spirit looking at my number fifty four Fred Warner star? Oh, that was Fred Warner. I thought yeah. it was Bobby. No, he he actually wears forty five now. Ah, that's right. That's, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Silly me. Silly. Have you me. ever watched football? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you're you're right. doing a you're doing a forty nine er video, or you're or is this forty nine er prep? No, I can't comment. I can't possibly comment. Mm, mm. But yeah, you guys, you guys should go to fantasy. under. Yeah, you guys should go to Underdog Fantasy on YouTube. Check out my boys' videos on there. Yeah, do it. There we go. So tomorrow, Griff and I will be back with the tape roundup from the Rams game. What did they change on the defense that made it kind of work? They only allowed one touchdown after the bad start. And what did they do better? Is it sustainable? And then a lot of Geno praise, I imagine. Along mm. with you know other stuff like, uh, was Bobby Wagner amazing or is he actually a schematic guy? They have the scheme around who Seattle schemed for and exploited time and time again. What do you think? Uh, you'll mm. find out tomorrow, and then of course, we will be back on Sunday with a live reaction to hopefully the Seahawks beating the Panthers, moving to eight and five, and maybe the 49ers can lose. Can they lose, please? Just lose. So so let me get in my score prediction for the Panthers game since I won't be here tomorrow. All right, mm. you ready for this? Seahawks 31. You can't do this. You can't do Panthers this. 24. Ah. Okay, you can do that. Right. That is um a lot of points. That's disturbing. I don't like it. But fine, yeah, it's your prediction. You know what? If that's your prediction, that's fine. Um I'm I'm yeah. trying to uh, All right, look. Reverse jinx. I'm trying mm. to go on the high end for the Panthers. So, you know, I look like a big dum dum when they only score like ten. Oh, but now now you've you've jinxed the reverse jinx. Shoot. All right. You could reverse C- jinx the C- jinx C- of the reverse. Seahawks, game. Seahawks thirty one, Panthers thirty. There. Hmm. That's as far as I'm willing to take it though. Okay. Right. So yeah, the 49ers play the Buccaneers. So if Tom Brady can't beat Brock Purdy, then what is he good for? Please, Thomas. Please, Thomas. It is reductive to to say it's just about the quarterbacks. But come on, Thomas. Please, Thomas. Tommy. Please do, do, us a, do us a solid. Please, buddy. Okay. I'll be and your then new wife. We will have a very weird <laughs> truncated schedule because of the Thursday game, which we will explain to you next week. Anyway. Okay. Thank you for watching. Please like the video, subscribe, comment, five star reviews, tell a friend about it, download the show if you haven't already, be an auto downloader or whatever mm. it is. Um, I don't know how you do that. Be, a, be, a, be a sicko. Yeah, just be, be a, a complete uh, podcast degenerate. And yeah, yeah we, we appreciate you as ever. We will be back with more Seattle Overload. We hope you've overloaded. <laughs>